This is the Colts Free Agent Tracker, a look at some key in-house free agents this offseason. Hey, welcome to the Colts Free Agent Tracker podcast, one of several looks here at key free agents this offseason for the Indianapolis Colts. The offseason is officially here for every team in the NFL now that the Super Bowl has concluded. NFL free agency will start in mid-March, and we're going to look at a few key players each week leading into the NFL new league year in mid-March. I'm Matt Taylor, joined by J.J. Stangovitz from Colts.com and from Colts Radio and Colts Audio and all-around do-it-aller. Casey Vallier is with us as well. J.J., how's it going, sir? It is going great, Matt, and the NFL offseason is its just its hilarious. Like We talked about this on the Colts official podcast last week. Like the the Super Bowl ended, and then it's like two weeks, two weeks from now the combine starts. Like right, what, right. Oh, what do you do in the off season? Well, what off season? There is no off season. We're talking about free agency now. Absolutely, and getting ready for the draft, Casey. This is uh, between now and the end of April. This is, as we know, the key period of the calendar year in the NFL, where you know off season acquisition happens, key free agents, and obviously it all leads up to the draft at the end of April. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to say that this is the most important time of the year, but it is one of the most important times of the year right now is you're trying to get everything ready to go so that once you know August and September roll around, it's time to get on the field. You've got the pieces in play, so it all starts mm-hmm. literally right now. I love that J.J. said it. I mean, literally, you think two weeks after the Super Bowl, here it starts. There is no offseason in the NFL. I'm, I don't work in baseball. I don't work in the NBA, but I feel like they've got a little bit more downtime than what the NFL schedule is like. <laughs> but for me, I mean, as you guys know, we're all kind of – eager to get right back at it like the last game ended and I was ready to you know maybe we'll take one weekend off but I'm ready to play football again so I kind of like the way the schedule works no doubt about it and there's plenty to talk about that's what we're doing here today we're going to talk about uh, left tackle Eric Fisher he's going to be our first free agent tracker topic of conversation if you will because left tackle is a very important position on every NFL team That stands the reason for the Indianapolis Colts as well, because Eric Fisher is a free agent after signing only a one-year deal last offseason with the Colts. And as we know, he spent eight years in Kansas City, played at a very high level, won a Super Bowl with the Chiefs, uh, but he tore his Achilles in the 2020 AFC Championship game and then was waived by the Chiefs last offseason. Late in the offseason period last year, picked up by the Colts, after Indianapolis did not draft a left tackle following Anthony Costanza's retirement after the 2020 season. So Fisher, again, basically rehabbing all of last offseason, had basically no on-field work in the offseason or the preseason, joined the Colts lineup in Week 2, ended up starting 15 games, and admittedly had a little bit of an up-and-down season. So let's start there, J.J. How much, how much better can Eric Fisher be next season for the Colts or any NFL team with a full, healthy offseason and a full season removed from his Achilles injury last January. Yeah, Matt, that's kind of the, the number one question. And the good news for the Colts is that they do have the medicals on this. So they they know uh, you know, exactly where Eric Fisher stands. They mm-hmm. know how much that Achilles impacted him or didn't impact him during the season. But you look at what Fisher did last year, Matt, 61.0 pass block grade from Pro Football Focus. That was his lowest since his rookie year. He was really consistent in that standpoint, anywhere between a PFF grade of 72 and 76 from 2015 to 2020. And I like using PFF grades just over the a, a larger course of time because you know you can quibble with a one year thing here or there, but um, you know when it comes to offensive line production, that's usually a, a pretty good indicator of how well a guy is playing. 
So then the question becomes, all right, was 2021 a blip for Eric Fisher, or was it the start of a trend for Eric Fisher? That is a question that certainly the Colts are debating and discussing as they look to decide if they would like to try to retain him or if they let him walk in free agency. But, you know, whatever it is, I I think the good news, again, is that the Colts have a really good idea of what's real and what's not with Eric Fisher going into next season and then maybe beyond. Well, let's let's pick up there, Casey, because, you know, J.J. just highlighted a, a very uh, above-average run-blocking player last season. But are, are you worried about his ability to pass-protect starting next season because according to pro football focus, you know, that you had a team high seven sacks allowed, uh, some quarterback hits, 41 pressures allowed. Can he rebound from that, Casey? What, what is real and what is not regarding Eric Fisher? How much of an asterisk should there be next to his play last season? Again, coming off a, a compromised offseason dealing with that Achilles injury. It's such a tough question. I mean, because that is literally, I'm sure, the same questions that the front office is dealing with right now. And and it's hard because you don't know what 2022-23 is going to look like, but you kind of look at what he's done in the past. And the seven sacks he allowed here in 2021 was the most since 2014. And every year from his second year on, the sack numbers decreased every single year. And then he had that tragic injury, you know, late in the 2020 season. So it's hard to know how healthy he was early on. And and, and let's face it, you know, once the season started, there wasn't time, you know, to take a week to rehab because the NFL season is a grind. I mean, you've got other little nick and knack injuries that happens, and then you're also preparing for an opponent. So, I mean, you're dealing with the guy on the edge week in and week out. So it's hard hard for him you know to take that time during the season to rehab if his Achilles wasn't fully healthy um, I'm not saying that they pushed him early I know that Achilles injuries you know throughout time it seems like they get less and less time to heal because of the way medicals you know everything's happening but I think that is that is going to be the biggest question because you look at the trend that he was on I mean 2020 he, it was his first ever Pro Bowl was was 2020 so mm-hmm. he was coming off arguably his best year of his career and then he had that injury so it's hard to know how much that hampered him, and I think it's impossible to know from any perspective until you see what he puts on the tape in this following season. How much of a new scheme, J.J.? I mean, that's part of it, too. I mean, I, people say offensive line's offensive line, left tackle's left tackle, but there, there are and there were some subtle differences in what the coaching staff, you know, Chris Strasser and company, were asking of Eric Fisher in terms of blocking mm-hmm. style, technique, that he just wasn't used to playing all those years in Kansas City. And again, oh, by the way, he's coming off not a lot of time to get up to speed with those new techniques, if you will. Well, it's that, Matt, which is absolutely right. And it's also getting used to a new quarterback who he hadn't practiced mm-hmm. with until the regular season, you know, because right. he was he didn't participate in training camp. And every quarterback has their subtle little differences. You know, you have to hold your block just a little bit longer for this guy. You know, I mean... <laughs> Blocking for Patrick Mahomes, you know, I, I really admire any tackle who blocks for Mahomes because he just he runs around and does stuff that no other quarterback in the NFL does. Um, and, and you know it, the, that transition of knowing how many beats do you have to hold your block mm-hmm. is something you have to work through. And I think that you know th- there were some issues early on for Fisher. Those kind of got cleaned up as the season went on. Um, you know, I, I think anywhere, anytime you change teams, certainly there is always going to be that adjustment period, but we do need to remember that Eric Fisher, again, he didn't have that adjustment period. He didn't have OTAs. He didn't have training camp. He had maybe a week or two of practice, 
And then it was like, all right, get out there against the Rams. And, oh, by the way, you know, guess who's on that Rams team is Aaron Donald, also Leonard Floyd. I mean, like, you know, the 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 runway for Eric Fisher was awfully short. But also he deserves a lot of credit for coming back as quickly as he did from the Achilles. Because like Casey mentioned, we're seeing more and more players come back quicker from that. You know, like a Cam Akers, just like unbelievable if he played in the Super Bowl after tearing his Achilles in, in July. But that doesn't mean that you're 100%. That doesn't mean that you are, you know, the the guy you were before the injury. So, again, the, you know, the, the Colts know exactly where Eric Fisher is with, you know, his Achilles, with where he was last year, with where he can go. And, you know, as you're looking ahead to free agency, that does give them an advantage in what decision they would like to make. Well, I want you guys to, to both tackle this because I think this is probably, you know, the, the $64,000 question that the Colts are asking themselves when it comes to Eric Fisher and his free agency candidacy and, you know, the premium position that he plays at left tackle. He's 31 years old. Casey highlighted it, right? 2020 coming off a really good season, a Pro Bowl season. Even though he hadn't made the Pro Bowl prior to that, he was a Pro Bowl caliber right. player. I mean, he was a first round or the first overall pick um, of an NFL draft for crying out loud. So, Casey, I'll start with you first. At the end of, of the season, Chris Ballard said that Eric Fisher has some really good football left in him. I tend to agree with that. What say you? What What is the likelihood that Eric Fisher can return to a Pro Bowl caliber player? I completely agree. I think, you know, you give him a full off season to kind of get his body, every part of his body in the right, in the right framework and in the right, you know, the mindset to get geared up for a season. I kind of put him in that same category as Anthony Costanzo. You know, people don't, you don't realize how much, how good you had it with Costanzo. And maybe you look at, you know, the statistics at the end of the year. Yeah. He was never an all pro, never a pro Mm -hmm. bowler, but I think everybody here would under what you would, you would completely agree that he was a 10 year pro bowler with the Colts because he was so important to what the offensive line did. So I kind of put him in that same caliber, you know, that maybe you don't need Eric Fisher to be pro bowl or first team all pro you need him just to be reliable and consistent and I think that is an area that you can get from Eric Fisher and also one of the things too I look at I know you see the age of 31 but left tackle has kind of been one of those those areas in the league mainly just offensive linemen you know they play a little bit longer I mean look at some of the top left tackles in the league there's still a lot of game left if you look at where Eric Fisher is I mean Andrew Whitworth you know he's 41 years old he was just playing in the Super Bowl yeah but he looks like he's 65 well that's true (laughs) That's true. But I'm looking at some of these guys like there seems to be plenty of, you know, I think he still has some of his prime years. You know, if you look at just an age time frame, there's still some good years left in him. So, you know, if he can have a full healthy offseason, I think I agree with Chris Ballard. Let me dovetail off of that, Casey, because I have some numbers to back up what you just said about tackles playing into their 30s. So last year, 2021, there were 13 tackles who are 31 or older, who played 600 snaps at, left, at, at tackle. Those guys had an average pro football focus grade of 75.5. That's pretty dang good. Some of those guys you mentioned, Trent Williams, Andrew Whitworth, Tyron Smith on the Cowboys, Lane Johnson on the Eagles. We're talking about not just good tackles. Trent Williams was the best tackle in the NFL last year. Mm-hmm. Andrew Whitworth, one of the best tackles in the NFL last year, like you said, won a Super Bowl. Lane Johnson, another guy. Tyron Smith, we're talking about all pros, pro bowlers here. It can happen for those guys, and your age, it's interesting, you know, you hear 31, and for different positions, 31 for a running back is like 45 for an offensive lineman, but 
for an offensive lineman, 31 is kind of like, yeah, you, you, you still do have some good years left in you if you're able to get there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, age here is not a, a factor in terms of how much does he have left in the tank? Because as again, offensive linemen have shown you have, you can have a lot left in the tank at the age of 31, like Eric Fisher is. So, all right, then if, if the Colts don't re-sign Fisher, JJ with you, what are the options? What do they do at left tackle? If it's not Eric Fisher, because as we all know, the Colts don't have that first round pick, which kind of throws a monkey wrench into all this. Right. And and again, anyone listening to this can tell how much time I spent on pro football focus today because I have more numbers <laughs> from pro football focus. <laughs> so the it, it, and the, the point being is that the Colts having a pick in the 40s, their first pick being in the 40s. It's really hard to find a starting left tackle outside of the first round. It, it can be done. But it is difficult. And, you know, the Colts ran into that problem last year when everyone was like, why don't you draft a tackle? It's like, well, because there wasn't anyone we we thought was worth it. And frankly, the performance of the guys who were taken around the Colts at number 54 uh, it kind of proved the Colts right. But it, it, it last year, 15 left tackles played 600 more snaps and were former first round picks. 12 left tackles played 600 or more snaps and were drafted in the second round or later. The difference there, those guys who are first-round picks, their PFF grade was about 77. The guys who are not first-round picks, it was about 73. And when you look at rookies, it goes even lower. There have only been five rookie left tackles in the last five years to play 600 or more snaps who were drafted in the second round or later. Only one of those guys had a grade over 60. That was Deion Dawkins on the Buffalo Bills. So, again, that just shows if you're playing a rookie at left tackle – it is an uphill battle, and if you're playing a guy at left tackle who was not drafted in the first round, it's even more of an uphill battle. That's not to say it can't be done, but it is difficult, and you got to make sure you get the right guy in. That, that being said, if the Colts move on from Eric Fisher and they do take a right tackle with their first pick in the second round, that tells me that Chris Ballard is convinced, hey, this guy can not only play left tackle right now, but he right. can be that guy for the next five, ten years. Yeah, and Casey, that's, I mean, to J.J.'s point, that's why I definitely think there's a chance that Eric Fisher is back next season because the Colts, you know, they don't have that first-round pick. Long-term answers at left tackle are usually only found in the first round because left tackles, as we've said, a very coveted position in the NFL. And until the Colts can find that long-term solution, they're going to look for a viable short-term answer, and that's what I think Fisher is. I think he's better than that, to be honest with you, but given where the Colts uh, are in terms of not having that first-round pick and needing left tackle help in order to compete in a very crowded and competitive and parity-filled AFC, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Fisher is back on another year or another short-term deal, whatever it is. I just think the other options, it, it's kind of outside of what Chris Ballard has traditionally done, Casey, right? I mean, he hasn't traditionally made a notable free agent pickup Uh, at left tackle, or rely on a rookie drafted outside of round one. And again, we all know the Colts are going to, you know, they're they're not going to take a tackle high in the draft if he's not the long-term answer. They're not going to just take a tackle for the sake of taking a tackle. 
100%. I mean, I think you, you talk about making, you know, a, a big name signing in free agency. That was Eric Fisher. I mean, that, you know, when you look at the tenure, that was the biggest free agent signing that this team has invested at that tackle position. And, and you know, I think the, the the verdict is still out. It's hard to judge a guy, you know, who is coming off of a, an Achilles in January of 2021, you know, expecting him to play in, in just eight months. That is hard to really give him a fair judgment of how his season went. But I completely agree with you, Matt. I think he is, you know, definitely one of those guys that you can bring back because of you know where you are in your draft status but then also left tackle as we've talked about at nauseum with the whole anthony costanzo thing the last couple years these guys just don't hit the market i mean your mm-hmm. your dominant left tackles they get extensions they get franchise tag so you know when you look at the top tier talent of left tackle that's out there you know there are a handful of guys that are quote unquote free agents to be but it's not expected that they get to that point so it's one of those things where you look at what you have in fisher and you take a look at that draft board and that's why i agree i think fisher has a really good chance to come back well one thing i want to bring up as we close out here we all know the answer to this question but i'm just bringing it up there hypothetically to you know roll it into the conversation because chris ballard very very adamant at his end of the season press conference that moving quentin nelson to left tackle from left guard that's just not going to happen i mean you know, Chris Ballard had a lot of things on his plate at the end of the season, but one of the few things he was very definitive about uh, was, hey, moving a generational left guard to left tackle, it's not going to happen. And I and I get that. That that makes a lot of sense. But just playing devil's advocate, right, it, it's a lot easier to find uh, viable guards in the draft 100%. than it is left tackles. And we all know right. that, the, that payday uh, for Quentin Nelson, that's coming this upcoming offseason. Um, so again, it sounds like that's not an option in the minds of the football minds for the Colts, but just on paper, it would be, it would at least be an option for me if I didn't know anything about football and I didn't know anything about the Colts and Chris Ballard, if that makes (laughs) sense. It would be an option if you didn't know anything about football. (laughs) Right. But, and I think, I think also, we also saw how, I mean, how well Chris Reed played when you know when you needed him to step in and play and that's part of it too that i think we're all looking at is well he slid in and played really really well so if ultimately you have to i think people would feel comfortable with chris reed being that guy if quentin did move to left tackle but i think like you said there's not a chance that chris ballard and frank reich are going to move him because their whole thing is why do you take a generational talent who arguably could be the best at his position in the history of the league and switch him and it's well, hard to argue that point. You, so the, the argument is that it's easier to find a guard than it is a tackle, which is true, but it's not easy to find a Hall of Fame caliber player at any position. And when you have one, you don't mess with that. You know, you, you're not talking about moving a Hall of Fame safety to cornerback because it's easier to find a, a safety than it is a cornerback. You're not talking about, you know, moving. That's just such a, a very slippery slope to fall on when you have, again, a generational talent, you stick with that generational talent where they are. And, you know, maybe it would be one thing if Quentin Nelson played tackle in college, but, you know, he was recruited to Notre Dame as a tackle, got there, Harry Heastand said, you're a guard. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and trust what Harry Heastand says about those things. He's one of the best offensive line coaches around, in my opinion. And, um, Quentin Nelson, look, he's a great guard. He's an elite guard. And when you're trying to do some of the things that the Colts are on offense, you you build it around a guy like Quentin Nelson. So, right. yeah. And the, and the thing is, we've already used up enough oxygen on this subject because it's not happening. 
Chris, like you said, Matt, Chris Ballard was definitive about this thing, and it was that Quentin Nelson will not move to tackle. A lot going on here this offseason for the Colts. As we said, we're about uh, a little bit right around a month away from NFL free agency beginning, and we got a lot of things to look at. Free agents leading up to the start of the uh, NFL new league year. We're going to do this a couple of times per week leading into that. Later on this week, we're going to look at the pass rushers who have expiring contracts for the Colts, guys like Kamoko Ture, Al-Kadim Muhammad, Taekwon Lewis, so on and so forth. But until then, great work, gentlemen. Uh, a good look at Eric Fisher, who is one of 20-plus free agents that the Colts have this offseason and a lot of important decisions for the Colts to make leading into the draft. Also this week, J.J., pub it up if you can. Uh, you guys have Kenny Moore coming up on the uh, the Colts official podcast. Talk it up. Yeah, we got uh, Lara and I, Lara Overton and I chatted with Kenny Moore II uh, just about his experience at the Super Bowl, being a Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee there, taking his mom to the Pro Bowl. Um, you know, that experience, talking to him about Gus Bradley, what he expects from the new Colts defensive coordinator, and a really neat anecdote from Kenny about how he was talking to right. uh, one of Bradley's former players in Las Vegas just about what's it like to play with him. And the, that player, Nate Hobbs, was like, man, I'm so bummed you left. <laughs> like, So, you know, really, really interesting stuff in there. Check out the Colts official podcast presented by WinBet. That will be out on Tuesday, and I believe Jeffrey Gorman is going to be back on that podcast hey, as well. Hey, where's he been? Well, what what did we do? To, I don't even know do if Jeffrey knows. His presence in the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> Je- Jeffrey Jeffrey has been jet setting across the country lately, uh, so I, I, I believe he will be back for that yeah. episode. I'm pretty sure Jeffrey has uh, flown around the world about three times since the end of that uh, Jaguar game at the beginning of January. So we look forward to. The Goreman being back in the flesh and uh, doing some things for real. Also, this week, we've got the Colts official podcast uh, again with Kenny Moore. And then we've got our Inside the Draft series starting this week as well. We'll get the skinny on the draft and uh, talk about the strengths and some position groups with uh, Jordan Reed from ESPN.com. As always, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. This is our first free agency tracker talking about the Colts and Eric Fisher. We'll have more later on this week, as we said. For Casey Vallier, J.J. Stangovitz from Colts.com, I'm Matt Taylor, and we will talk to you later on this week on the Colts Audio Network. So long.